Hey, it's Rochelle, and you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a production of Catholic Answers. Welcome to the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. Well, hello, everyone. I have a question for you guys today. Are you one of those listeners who listens to the podcast and gets all kinds of pumped up about a certain topic, and afterwards you're like, yes, thank you, Rochelle. I've been wanting to learn how to pray with my Bible, and I'm going to take you up on your challenge, and I'm going to read my Bible for 10 minutes every day. Or, yes, I have had questions about the rosary. It hasn't really been my thing, but you have inspired me to pick up the rosary again and try it. Whatever it is, whatever the topic's been, but there's been something that has encouraged you to give it a go and try to work on bolstering up your spiritual life. We're just going to summarize anything that could fall in that category as hanging out with Jesus, right? So you're super jazzed about hanging out with Jesus and you're like, I got this. I'm going to add this to my daily practices. My prayer life is going to end up being explosive. And then we start day one. Wow, that was really good. I'm really glad that I did that, but I really wasn't that focused. I think maybe if I tried to hang out with Jesus in a different location, I would have some better results. We'll refer to that as the location, location, location solution. So day two comes around, different location. Man, I did enjoy my time in prayer, but I really thought that this would be a better place for me to hang out with Jesus Maybe I'm approaching this wrong. Maybe it's the time of day that's throwing me off. Tomorrow, I think I have some time between that one thing I have to do and that other place that I have to go. I'll squeeze in some time to hang out with Jesus during then. I like to refer to this as the window of opportunity solution. Day three, window of opportunity arrives. Oh my gosh, I am so hungry, but I only have 30 minutes between that one thing I just did and that other thing I'm about to do. Crap, I only have 30 minutes. I wanted to hang out with Jesus. You know what? Right now I'm a little too frazzled, a little too amped up. I think I'll just wait and do this later before I go to bed because I know I'll be more relaxed. I'll have nothing else going on. And then I can really focus on hanging out with Jesus. This is probably my favorite solution. I call this the pajama party solution. Day four? Wait a minute. There's no day four. Why? Because you fell asleep during your pajama party with Jesus and you didn't make a resolution to try again on day four. Ugh, what happened? What went wrong? You had such high hopes and you really were all in. You were really pumped about it. Well, to this, I answer your questions with another question. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, duh, Rochelle, I know my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, but I thought we were going to talk about integrating hanging out with Jesus into my life and not about chastity. Yes, if that's your response, totally valid. And we are going to talk about integrating Jesus into our lives. But understanding your body as temple is so much more than just chastity. St. Paul is the one who reminds us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he plays with this connection between body and temple a lot. And did you ever notice that not only does he play with the connection, but he uses the language for body and the language for temple interchangeably during his, um, during his letters. So where does St. Paul 
get his source for this from? Did he just make it up? Or is he just confused about the difference between a body and a temple? No, he's not confused. He gets this from scripture all the way back to Genesis with Adam. When Adam is animated, the breath of life is breathed into his lungs. The spirit of the Lord is breathed into him, right? We see this imagery repeat itself again in Exodus. When the Lord comes to fill the tabernacle, the cloud of glory, you know, a cloud is the same imagery as, as, as air, you know, the movement of air and the cloud of glory comes and fills the tabernacle. And Moses is not able to enter because it, it, it is actual, like a physical presence in the tabernacle. And then again, in first Kings, the cloud of the spirit comes and fills the temple. When the temple's finally built, the cloud of the spirit of God comes into inhabit the holy of holies. And so that shows us there's, there is a very concrete connection between body and temple. So Adam is what we would call a temple being. This was the original state of man to be a temple being. And the garden, the garden of Eden is a natural temple. It's like the primordial sanctuary, the first sanctuary in existence. And that's why, you know, if if we look at, you know, readings about the tabernacle in Exodus 4 and, you know, about the cloud of the spirit coming to fill the temple in first Kings chapter eight, like, and when they're describing what the temple looks like, and when they're describing what the tabernacle looks like, we get this imagery of like the garden, we get trees with um, fruit and trees with flower, and we get jewels and gold. And all of these things are present in decorating the tabernacle and the temple because they're trying to recreate the original, the original temple, the original sanctuary, which is the garden of Eden. And this, the link between these two is very obvious in days of old, so much so that in Song of Songs, I know it can be a little confusing in Song of Songs because there's so much metaphor there, but I just want to highlight one portion of that when the bride and the groom, their physical descriptions are being given. So in Song of Songs 4, the bride, her physical description is being given through metaphor of garden imagery and This is supposed to represent like the perfect garden, not just a great garden, not just to say that she is beautiful, but she is the perfect garden. She is supposed to represent Eden. And then in the next chapter of Song of Songs, Song of Songs 5, the groom, he's being described. But for him, he's being described in temple imagery, talking about, you know, the cedar and the the trunks of the trees and all of these things that would have been present in the temple. And so Jews of the time, they totally got this connection between body and temple. And obviously, Paul, being the good Jew that he was, um, he, he would have learned this. He would have known this. This would have been part of his, his religious experience. And for that reason, Paul refers to creation a lot in his other writings. And it's not just Paul who reminds us about the connection between body and temple. Jesus does, too, when he's speaking And we can read this in John chapter two, when he's talking about rebuilding the temple, you know, you can tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. What's he talking about there? He's talking about his body. We know that, but he has made a very obvious connection between the temple and his body. So Adam, Jesus, and us, Paul reminds us, us as well, we're all both temple and body. 
And so what does that mean? What does that have to do with today's topic? I kind of feel like that double rainbow guy, you know, double rainbow, what does it mean? Well, the temple was the central part of Judaism. Everything centered around the temple because the temple was the place for worship. That's it. Simple. Our bodies are a place for worship. So the question at hand today, why do we have trouble successfully incorporating things into our prayer lives, maintaining our prayer life, or even starting one in general? And most people might think that this has something to do with timing, you know, calendaring. We're not scheduled enough, but that's not it. The problem is that we're trying to fit Jesus in instead of coordinating everything around Jesus. We have forgotten that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and that the temple is a place for worship. Our mindset is what needs to change, not our schedules and our calendars. So how do we do this? How do we fix this? It's, it's a mindset and our priorities. And so we know that we need, you know, at least 30 minutes of concentrated prayer throughout the day. And sometimes we can't give 30 minutes all at one time, you know, but 10 minute chunks or 15 minute chunks, I think anything less than that. And you're, you're not really able to really delve into your prayer and really, you know, absorb as much out of it as you potentially could and that the Lord wants you to. So like 10 to 15 minute time periods every day. And that will give you, you know, the minimum amount of 30 minutes to really concentrate and be with the Lord. And so a very practical way to do this is to mark out your day by prayer, you know, in the morning, in the middle of the day, and in the evening. And this might seem like a lot, but I will remind you, as Father Hugh reminded me when we were talking about this topic, there are 1.8 million people in the world who do this every single day. And those are Muslims. And why do they do that is because they got the practice from Christians, from Catholics, because that is the normal way of life for someone of faith is to pray multiple times throughout the day. I mean, our priests and religious, you know, they go by the liturgy of the hours. And now it's there's less mandatory times than there used to be. You know, there used to be way more times throughout the day. I'm not asking you to do all that, but it, it's our choice to put Jesus first. It's, it comes down to that. Are we going to put Jesus first or are we not? And the way to do that is through some sacrifice. We either end up sacrificing some sleep or we sacrifice some leisurely activity that we enjoy to put Jesus first. You got to get your temple in order. If you're not praying consistently, you know, if it's too hard to actually commit to your time of prayer, it's because your priorities are out of order. Your house is out of order. You got to get your house back in order and prioritize Jesus. The way that I have found this is most successful in my life is to do it in the morning, to do it first. Because I've tried to do it in the evening, like after work, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I have to go to work. And when I come home, I can do it. But then when I get home, I find other things I have to do, you know, like, oh, I have to make something to eat. Oh, I have to put this away. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I, you know, and then I'll get to, you know, then I'll get to my prayer time. And that for me is slippery slope. I know that that doesn't work for me. So for me, yeah, I get up early in the morning so that I can have time, an extra 15 to 30 minutes in the morning to be able to spend time with Jesus. That's when I know I'm most successful at doing this. For you, it might be in the evening. Hey, that's up to you. I'm not going to tell you how to how to organize your life. Your life is completely unique to yourself. Um, 
But I will encourage you to prioritize your time with Jesus instead of binge watching Netflix. Like I am so guilty of myself. I don't know about you, but I've been totally stuck on the DC comic series, you know, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. So that is something that I need to check myself on and watch myself on that. But, you know, hey, maybe for you, it's really taking up a lot more of your time than necessary. And you think, well, that's how I relax. And that's how, well, prayer is really relaxing. Prayer is not a job. Prayer is something that will actually edify you and make you more relaxed and more at peace than whatever it is that you're currently doing. And I know that might sound a little ridiculous, not make sense. Trust me. I'm with you on that. I used to think the same thing until I experienced it myself. But it's true. The Lord will give you consolation for your sacrifices. And especially when we're starting to incorporate new things into our prayer life, it's it's extremely beneficial and helpful for us when the Lord gives us these consolations. And he knows that and he will do it. Plus, Mother Teresa, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in her convent, she they used to have like Gosh, I'm forgetting off the top of my head now, but so, so many hours of just like quiet adoration time and they were out like they were a very active order. They were out in the world, you know, caring for all these sick and neglected, but they spent so much time in prayer and sometimes it would happen when they'd have like extra things to do. They'd be extra busy. And so her answer was, okay, that just means we need to spend more time in adoration. Okay. I don't know about you, but I know there's 24 hours in a day. And if you're going to add more stuff to your plate, you know, and you think, okay, if I'm adding more stuff to my plate today, I should take some more stuff away. No, that's not how Mother Teresa did things. She said, okay, if we're going to add more stuff to our plate, then that means we need to add more prayer time. And I am not kidding you. It's so true. When you add more prayer time, the Lord gives you more time back. I don't know how it works if like somehow he like changes the way that you're you know, that time actually goes, if he just makes you more productive. I don't know. I really don't care. I'm just happy with the result. And I believe that that it's universal. It happens for everyone that I know. So don't give up on whatever you've tried to incorporate into your prayer life. You can totally do it. Give it another shot. But before you do that, you need to work on reprioritizing your day to have it revolve around Jesus and that might mean you lose a little bit of sleep or, you know, you just go to bed earlier because you've cut out something else that you do in the day that is not a necessity. But in the end, you will be rewarded and you'll be so thankful that you've done it. You, you'll you notice a change in your life. And then when you go to mass on Sunday, you will be more geared towards entering into that holy place because you've really worked on sprucing up your temple, you know, your in- <laughs> your interior temple, and you'll just be primed for prayer on Sunday. If you're doing it every day consistently throughout the week, you get to Mass on Sunday, and you're just ready to go, ready to delve into the mystery, and you'll get so much more out of it, and you'll grow more spiritually. You'll heal more. You'll have more takeaways from the readings. And with all of that, with all of that time spent in prayer throughout the week, And on Sunday, you are going to be so equipped to transform the world because you are transforming yourself. All right, everyone. It's been super awesome talking to you guys today, of course. I love to hear from you. You can email me at clumsytheosis at catholic.com. You can follow me on Instagram at clumsytheosis. 
You can DM me, leave some comments, but most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. If you're new, go back and listen to old podcasts. If you're an old hat, make sure you tell your friends so that more people in the world can learn how to transform the world by transforming themselves. All right, everyone. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in this week to Clumsy Theosis. Each week, we explore a topic within the Catholic faith to aid listeners like yourself, as well as yours truly, in the advancement and deepening of the spiritual life and the personal ownership of our relationship with the big guy upstairs and his church. As cliche as it sounds, the world needs you. Become who you were created to be with Clumsy Theosis, the place to transform the world by transforming yourself.